0: Ooh.
1: And there we are.
0: You can set it up however you like.
1: However we like. There we are. Yeah. Sounding good. Yeah. I'll have to get out of radio Logan <laughs> and into just normal Logan.
0: Yeah. Is that hard yeah. to do? Uh,
1: sometimes. Like it, it, there's, there's radio Logan, which is just put on Logan. Uh-huh. And then there's Logan. That's just like chatting in the living room. Logan.
0: The five elements of letting go. The podcast. Discussing mental health openly and freely, and learning tools and techniques to find peace. Well, welcome everyone to the Five Elements of Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum. My guest today is Logan Coutts. <gasps> Good evening.
1: <laughs> it feels later than it is because of the time. <laughs> or the, dar- the darkness,
0: I suppose. dark so fast out there now. Now... Uh, most of you listening probably have heard Logan's voice before uh, on the radio at Eagle 100.9. Yeah. And you've been at the Eagle for how long now? I think I'm
1: coming up to like seven years, six years. Wow. Yeah, That's I good. I started, if I had fallen into it any harder, I would have broken something is what I like to say. Because mm. um, I was at school where I was doing school at Sate, and we... Or given like these other, the instructors were really good at connecting people and connected me with the dogs, baseball, where I started doing music. Uh Through there, met Jamie Hall, who was on here, Uh a beautiful human being. And he said, hey, do you want a job? And so I started that doing like two days a month and slowly worked my way up until Uh now I'm doing morning show.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So it's been, it's been a wild ride,
0: wild ride,
1: but I'm loving it.
0: And we've known each other for... A number of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've been in how many plays together now?
1: Several. Yeah. Uh, my favorite and the one that always comes to mind is Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh-huh. I will never forget that. And I'll never forget <laughs> what he put in the pages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me explain. <laughs> so there's a tradition in theater. I don't know if it's every theater. It's but this one definitely for sure. <laughs> in is to, uh, especially the last show. Uh, to uh, you know, either some people change up their line a little or they do something just to um, spark a reaction in the uh, other actor to try and throw them off, try to throw them off and do something (laughs) silly and fun. And so, there's this one scene in Arsenical Old Lace where I'm um, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe I'm Teddy, yeah, you believe you're ready. (laughs) I'm uh, a little a little uh, imbalanced and I. Believe I'm Teddy Roosevelt, and my aunts who were basically raised me um, like to invite. Uh, they're, they're running a boarding house, and they yeah. poison uh, depressed old men, and I bury them in the basement. And <laughs> it's a happy show. It's yeah, a happy it's, show. It's a comedy, and it's <laughs> hilarious. But uh, y- you are the plastic surgeon to my other brother, yeah, who's psychotic yeah. and really crazy, um, who actually harms people. And I believe, because I believe I'm Teddy Roosevelt, I believe you're a general, right? Yeah. And so there's this one scene where every time I bring out this book and I say, Slap see, right there, you and I, you know, in uh, the Panama Canal it, 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 or something it, yeah, like yeah. that. At the Panama Canal. And so I decided to play a little joke on you. And so. I paste it in the book where the picture usually is of a naked woman. <laughs> it threw me off
1: <laughs> because there's like my mom in the second row and I open
0: it up and I'm like, ah, what are my lines? <laughs> I'm not supposed to look at this. Mom's in the room.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so we've been in, we've been in lots of shows and, yeah. and that one will always forever be in my memories. Cause that was, a, that was a good one. Yeah. I really like that yeah. one.
0: That was a good one. That's the same night where I got Ed really good too. What did you do? Well, because every week I, when Ed would show up, because he's the doctor taking me to the insane asylum. Yeah. And I would do something different to him every night. And I'd measure him up or, you know, I actually him brought out yet. tape and measured him out one time. But the last night I knew I had to do something really severe. <laughs> and so when he um, said he was going to take me away, I look at him and then I... I go up and I grab his uh, genitals in my hand. <laughs> not counselor. Yeah, yeah. And then I say, turn and cough. <laughs> like a, I'm doing a, a test for his wellness to see how healthy he was. And his
1: voice went up a couple not octaves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everyone lost it. The crowd lost it. Ed lost it. Everyone on stage. And Jamie saved it. Yeah. Because Jamie was uh, was like, well, that's a way to, you know, get a gnome or something <laughs> like that. And then it was enough to kind of, you know, settle it down and get him back on. But, uh, yeah, later on by, by backstage where him and I were backstage before we came out one more mm-hmm. time, he looked at me and he goes, you sick motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and thus began a new relationship with Ed.
0: <laughs> Anyone who knows Ed knows he took that and just... I thought it was hilarious and was not offended at all. Yes, I, I did not ask for his consent, and I uh, <laughs> <laughs> surprised him with it. But um, him and I have done some silly things over the years, and I think he understood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now you don't have far to walk to uh, the RPAC anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's just right across the street now. It's awesome. Uh, congrats uh, on the new building, by the way. Thank you. It's, it's are, stunning.
0: Yeah, it was. the owners are very kind and allowing us to move our clinic in here and... We're really enjoying
1: it. And from what I hear, very haunted.
0: I've heard stories too, but... um,
1: No experiences yet.
0: My experience when we first came into the space, I walked around every room and smudged. Okay. And I had a conversation. I said, I don't know who's here or how you feel about things, but this is a healing space now. So the only energy that can be put out is positive healing energy. And that's all we've seen. So yeah, maybe it was waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're all just looking for something to do and now they can help. Hey, oh, I love it. I've had uh, one or two patients say they can see the ghosts, but I, I don't know how I feel about that, but nothing yet. On everyone has their thing and that's a, uh, you know, I guess they have a, an ability that I do Ooh. not have.
1: Well, I'm a firm believer in ghosts. Are you? So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to be in this building because oh, okay. my mom runs the ghost tours and this was always a stop.
0: Oh, that's your mom? Yeah. Okay. So
1: And so she would always talk about it. So I'm,
0: yeah. I'm excited. Hopefully we'll see something uh, in the corners. Well, what I'll do is when we are done, I'll take you up to uh, the third and fourth floors.
2: Yeah. Sure right.
1: <laughs> where, where the ghosts sleep. Deal. Deal. <laughs> I'm all about it. Okay.
0: So, uh, again, you said you've listened to a couple of yeah. these. Yeah. Um, one thing I like to ask everyone is their opinion on where the state of mental health is in our community and in the world. That's, it's a heavy question. It is.
1: (laughs) And I, it's, and I hear that there's more people or uh, more than just me, but it is my birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had a lot of positive energy today. So it's just nice to have a a, a really nice end to the day of a very positive energy day. Um, the state, going back to the question, the state of mental health is a, a tricky one. So, I'm 25, so I don't have a whole lot of experience with life. Mm-hmm. I would say, but I've had a very complicated experience, like a complicated relationship with my mental health.
0: Okay, through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it 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 needs to be talked about more. It needs to be normalized more. Um, I'm wearing. A shirt for a reason? Uh, I can't remember his last name, Danny. Um, very he beautiful man inside and out. Uh, it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And so chatting with this guy and it's just more and more, especially this year, it's becoming more and more talked about, which I really like. And there's people in the community that are talking about it more like you and Pamela and uh, uh, Tanya Thorne, just to name three right off the bat. So it's in in the minimal experience that I've had uh, this year, it's been Exponential, the amount that people are talking about it. But mm-hmm. growing up in Okotoks, you didn't, you didn't really talk about it. You know, people didn't, they would ask how you're doing, but there was never a time where they would sit down and rein in your emotions, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: I would imagine with it as a small town, yeah. <laughs> it's a little different, right? Because yeah. when you grew up here, there wasn't more than, what, 7,000? Maybe hey, I wasn't,
1: wow. wasn't paying too much attention to the population growing up. I was yeah. trying to figure out <laughs> how to navigate junior <laughs> high and high school. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, and there was always resources there for you. There were always counselors. There were always people to talk to you, but it was never, that was, you know, there's something wrong with you if you're talking to those guys and not a, you should be chatting with these guys nonstop, no matter what, if yeah. you're doing good talking to those people, if you're doing rough talking to those people, yeah. like it's, it, it just always felt like it was always something on the other side. So leading up to this year, I, it was, I don't know, a very complicated way to try and think about mental health, but it's, it's, it's getting easier, Okay. a lot easier. And I think that's just for everybody.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, de- we definitely seen this shift where in the media, they're talking about it a lot mm-hmm. more than they used to, where it was something that was only discussed Maybe once a year.
1: Yeah, because there's there's like the Bell X talk days and yeah. uh, those big campaigns. But you're right. And then the next day, uh, something comes out and they're like, oh, Bell's actually like they did this, 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 and this. And I'm not slandering Bell. Um, but just like it was completely forgotten the very next day. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, off you go to your regular nine to five thinking about the same things you were thinking about a week before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. Do you... Um... So you, you mentioned you had like a complicated history.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have what I would call a complicated history with my mental health. <laughs> it's, um, well, and, and one of the reasons um, that I was, th- and I don't know if you knew that it was my birthday when you asked the day.
0: No, I didn't. I threw out a couple different days. and Okay. And so
1: the 10th is perfect because one year ago today almost made a life. All like a life-changing decision on myself and so here i am one year later and we're doing good yeah so it it it's just a a complicated relationship that i'm finally getting a grasp on and it's it's you know i'm still still very young uh so i i don't know where i'm going with this tangent (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's getting better to rein in emotions and to talk to people about it Mm -hmm. if that makes yeah
0: yeah so complicated relationship with your own emotions or with oh, yourself yeah.
1: oh with myself with emotions how I viewed myself how other people viewed me thinking thinky pain is what I like to talk or call it is Th- thinky pain thinky pain I just I'm having a lot of thinky pain today and interesting it's, <laughs> it's I like that uh that's it, the only way I really like to to describe that is thinky pain because it's still pain mm-hmm. and, but it, it you know yeah It's not real,
0: (laughs) but it is real. But you know what? That's so interesting because I I talk to patients about this regularly, about how our brain does not know the difference between what we feel, like experience in real time, and what we dream about, and what we daydream about. Mm -hmm. So whatever you can think of in your head, whether it's reality or not, we still experience it and feel it. Absolutely. So if you are thinking in the past about something that you've feel you missed out on or you're depressed about or whatever, your brain does not know the difference. And so you are going to experience those feelings in the moment that you experienced in the past. Yeah. And it's not real. It's not, um, happening in this moment, but yet that's how powerful our our minds are. And then we have to live through it again and we have to feel that same pain and suffering. Hmm. Yeah. So that And then it, the same thing for the future, where when, and this is interesting, like, say, with anxiety, where you're thinking about something that's going to happen and you, um, you know, you think of this bad outcome or this. And your body
1: risk. is like, oh, that's happening
0: right yeah, now. Right now. And so that's so if we are experiencing a real time anxiety event, mm. um, our body floods us with adrenaline to tell us to do something emergency. Yeah. Emergency. This is a scary situation. You need to solve it. So I'm going to give you a little bit of extra energy to get shit done. And it that usually in fight or flight is punching someone in the face or running like hell. Right. <laughs> and when it's imagined in our head, that, that same response still happens. And so our body is flooding with adrenaline and, the response to release that adrenaline because we're not doing anything about it, we're not running or fighting, mm-hmm. is our body has to release it through raising our heart rate, making us sweat, making us shake. You know, all those things that we call a panic attack is our body's response to this adrenaline that we've just thought up in our system. And If we can trust this and understand that we did this and we created this, it can work out of our system in like 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. But if we don't understand it and we fear it and we try to control it and try to stop it, we create a true adrenaline response. And now there's more adrenaline being flooded into us. And now we get caught in a loop. Yeah,
1: And and that's something I, I so wish I had learned really early on in my life (laughs) really early on and it's a a quick trick that was taught to me when i um, started seeing you know and started taking therapy which is something i believe everybody should be doing constantly all the time like we're um you know when you're good you should see when you're bad you should see them is you know just just being present and it's amazing how much that can bring things down is you know just listen to music look outside You know, find, you know, like a worry stone is what I use uh, and just, you know, be present and just let it happen because it's, it's there, it's happening. So you just got to let it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to understand, like you said, that, you know, this, uh, if I can pull myself under the moment, trust that this is something that will pass, Mm -hmm. it'll go away. Um, But often, again, we have this need to control everything. And we think we have that ability to make it go away. I think that's one of the weaknesses in some of the approaches to anxiety is that they talk about control and prevention. And you can't control anxiety and you can't prevent it.
1: You never know what will trigger you. The weirdest
0: things will trigger you. That flower triggers you. It just,
1: anything. And it's, you can't live trying to avoid it all, all the time. And it's just bringing it Bring it back and knowing that it's kinda happening.
0: Yeah. So you said you wish you'd learned this earlier on. Oh, Did you deal with anxiety as a child?
1: I'm I'm pretty sure. I, I've never been diagnosed or um I've I've never, you know, had anybody tell me this is what you have, but uh, you know, panic and anxiety and uh, just just like a, a fear of the unknown of the future, which is, you know, common-esque. but it's yeah, always always and it's just kind of always been there so just knowing that that was you know normal <laughs> that's yes
0: totally normal yeah. would
1: have been such an amazing thing to know early early on
0: yeah because yeah. again if again i can imagine you know like with me it was different emotions with me it was anger mm. and so my the way everyone approached it with me is that's bad don't feel that. Only dogs get mad. Like, just stop that. And so in my mind, I'm the only one that gets angry. And there's something wrong with me. And it's my fault. You know, and of course, I saw like, so anger is always caused by injustice. Mm-hmm. So when we see something is unfair or unjust, <laughs> it that rising. anger comes up. And so I was constantly like, you know, pointing out what I felt was unfair and something should be done about it. But of course, adults get away with all kinds of shit and kids, mm. you know, are told to, told what to do all the time. And as a child, that drove me nuts.
1: <laughs> you're these people that I can't tell them what to do ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you're telling me what to do and then you're going to turn around and do whatever the hell you yeah. want, you know? So uh, that always riled me up. But, you know, I can... To me, it was, you know, you feel very alone in your emotion because uh, there's no one else talking about it and no one is willing to let you know or no one understood at that time that, yeah, this is normal feeling Mm. emotions and this is okay because no one was allowed to share them Mm. when I was younger. And if you did, there was something wrong with you. And how old are you? I'm, I think I'm. Forty three, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm forty three. Calendar divide by
1: zero. Uh, huh. And where and where how big was your class growing up?
0: Uh about and thirty like, kids. Okay. Yeah. Anywhere from like twenty five to thirty kids in classrooms. Huh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like I sure I had uh I had issues at school, but you know, I think majority of my anger was either at church or just at home. You know, I grew up in a house with uh, seven kids and sometimes foster kids, so
1: there was a lot going on.
0: It was constant. Not an easy place to, you know, be understood and heard because there's just too many voices.
2: <laughs>
1: and here you are being the voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get burpy now. Just let that's me okay.
0: I gave him the, a, the bubbly. a bubbly. So when you were younger and you're, you know, feeling this, did, so do you felt kind of alone because of that? Did anyone, did you get any support, any understanding back then?
1: You know, my parents and their love, like love them to death. But I, I, I could never feel like I could talk to them about it. Cause like in your eyes, your parents are invincible. Like they just wouldn't understand. That I am feeling like this. So I I never went to my parents for this kind of thing. And I had a core friend group that I would talk about it with sometimes. But no, it was myself. And I was, you know, it was was always me. I grew up uh, on an acreage outside of town. Mm -hmm. So on weekends... That's where we were after school. That's where we were. So there was never any like after school socializing or not a whole lot of it mm-hmm. Um, or weekend socializing. Like you can't just go a couple doors down to mm-hmm. hang out with your friends. So mm-hmm. you go home afterwards and you you're by yourself. You on the weekends, you're by yourself or, you know, I'd hang out with my sister, but she's my sister and she's gross. So you don't talk to her. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, so it, there was a lot of, you know, growing up on the Internet kind of thing. So that was uh, it. I, it was Pretty you know, I was pretty in my bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I went to school and then it was the core friend group, but you know, it was mostly them talking. But and then and just rinse repeat for twenty-five years. <laughs>
0: wow. Did you feel that ever held you back?
1: I don't think so. Because I good. I was always a, like I was a theater kid. So mm-hmm. I, I would find a way to, you know, express something. I don't know what it was, the energy pent up inside. Yeah. And, so I was always you know, a, a, a weird kid dressing funny, <laughs> but it yeah, that's kind of how I I I grew up. I I yeah, always had a way to let it out and express it, mm-hmm. so it, it it was it was never getting too pent up.
0: Yeah, well, that's interesting. You know, when Jamie was on here, he said that it was interesting being on a show and being able to talk about, you know. His opinion. Because for so many years on the radio, yeah. you can't really express an opinion. I
1: don't express opinions. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, is that part of the practice of being on radio or is that just... I think it's also just who I am. I, I don't really
1: express opinion too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because I'm terrified what the other person is going to think. And if it's in, in disagreeance, because I am forever a people pleaser. So it, it would be... Yeah, I I just keep my opinions pretty low, and I guess that's why I thrive on that. Is I'm able to find a middle ground in almost every conversation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I keep her tight. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one being in the public eye in a way. Yeah, uh, you just you got to be careful about it. But I've I've never worried about it because I've oh. never really expressed opinion one way.
0: Uh huh. Okay, that's interesting because that <laughs> that's what I was wondering. I'm like, is it you know when you have you know thousand or so more people listening to you every morning Mm -hmm. you know does that add to the anxiety or does that you know does it feel like an outlet but then if you can't express yourself is it an outlet
1: i also don't think about thousands i only listen to one person listening ever
0: oh okay yeah Yeah, it's it's only
1: ever one person who's the one person yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, okay, I you like one no, person no, in mind. <laughs> no, just
1: anonymous one person that I'm talking to. Uh, usually, I know my mom's always listening. So there's two people then, I There's okay. <laughs> always mom listening. Um, but yeah, no, I always talk to one person. So that brings the anxiety down quite, okay. quite, a, quite a bit. And it's, uh, unless it's, you know, something that I'm trying to be edgy slash funny about, I never get too panicked on air.
0: Because but... that says a lot. You know, like one of the, the greatest fears people have public speaking is public speaking over death. <laughs> yeah. And here you are, someone who, you know, suffered from anxiety in one way or another for most of your life, and here you are on the radio. <laughs> that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and
1: they it I, I feel so like, I guess I must be doing it right <laughs> because they keep asking me to do like public events and, and everything. And I think the the largest crowd that I ever spoke to was Light Up Boca Tokes last year or the year before, whenever they had like that mass amount like of people 10, there. And people I'm on, on the stage. And yeah. again, I don't think about them. It's just one person that that you're talking to. Um, but yeah, public speaking. <laughs> I could do it forever. Wow. It's, uh, there's there's only one fear I have, and that is of uh, the emptiness of the ocean below me.
0: <laughs> I don't like water. <laughs> yeah? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that's about
1: that's the only only fear I, I, I have. But
0: Okay. So do you find now public speaking has become something therapeutic, or is it just something you just gotten good at? I'm
1: just kind of getting good at. I, I stay present for the most part when I'm speaking to the people, and then afterwards you're like, I wonder what I said. I don't really remember that. It was all a blur. Um, and I they keep asking me to do it. So
0: <laughs> I guess it was all right. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Um, You know, is, uh, and again, you know, sharing our experiences and stories, you know, through this medium. Yeah. I really, you know, because I, I get messages or emails or, you know, patients as they come in, and they're just like that that one spoke to me or that person, or, you know, that's me. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that suffer with anxiety. And, you know, that's a huge step Mm. to be able to, to do that thing that most people fear and to be able to express yourself in front of a group. So that's a pretty big deal. So what was it that you did? What was, was it just because of the theater that just made that transition so easy or was there anything along that path where you're like, I can't, do radio what am i what am i thinking
1: like what do you mean like was there anything that stopped me
0: yeah was there anxiety that you're like i don't think i can do this like was there something that you did is there technique you do Uh, to overcome you know or to kind of like uh flow with that anxiety rather than fighting against it
1: i i guess it's just channeling it i suppose and it, it wasn't until um and like we were saying, I, I wish I'd known like what it was that I was feeling for so long. If they had said that's anxiety, but mm-hmm. instead it's just it's just this feeling that I got to get it over with and do it uh, and just turning that into something. And and there's, you know, good anxiety, like when you're about to when the curtains about to go up yeah. and that feels very similar to. Bad anxieties where in school you're like, oh, I didn't do all of the projects I was supposed to do. And that presentation is today. And <laughs> I'm going to be quitting. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave right now. Uh, and it's very similar. And it's I, I, you just can't you just do it. You just do it. Uh, yeah. There's um, this silly poem that I heard. Not even a poem, just like a little rhyme where it's like if you put your mind to it, you can do it, do it, do it. And yeah. it just forever in my brain, if it's if it's getting really intense. You just have you to point your mind to it. It'll be over and you just do it yeah. and you just do it for better, for better or for worse. Yeah. And you kind of just, you just, you just be present in the moment and do it. And that's and just not think about before or after.
0: Yeah. So I like for myself, I did uh, theater once in junior high. Yeah. And then I didn't do it through high school because I was always playing a sport.
1: Okay. And it's just, either one or the
0: other, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the way they schedule practices or things like that. Like, cause I played football, track, and rugby. And so it was like all the time there was a practice. And so it just, and I, and I would imagine at that time, because I hadn't done drama for so long, maybe in my head, it's just like, you know, football is the only thing or, <laughs> or, it just wasn't my thing anymore. I don't know. But I didn't do theater in high school. And I wish I had because I always did enjoy it. And so I finally, Crystal talked me into doing any players yeah. um, when I was in my 30s. And I can just remember, you know, like you said, like before that curtain comes up and you're like, shit, what's my line again? <laughs> so I always have a practice of just repeating the beginning of the line and then and, you'll be good and trying to um you know i try to tell myself that that anxiety you feel before doing something is excitement not mm. fear
1: mm. you know it's close it's a line <laughs> and no,
0: it is a line you have to kind of convince yourself what it's going to be and what you choose that feeling to be because again it's all about perception yeah you know like uh like i say that You know, feelings are a, our emotions are a, uh, they're a signal of perceived imbalance, Uh, you know. So it's our perception. So when we feel an emotion, it's our brain trying to predict how we're going to react to this situation. And because our, a lot of people think our brains work as stimulus and response. Mm. Oh, this happens. Okay. This is what you do. This is what I'm going to do. Where it's not this, you know, what actually works is our brain predicts what we should do or how we should feel based off all our previous experience. So in like a millisecond, our brain sees something and then we're like, okay, all right, let's go through all my papers. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> what do I what have I done in the past when this has happened or when this kind of situation comes up? Oh, oh. I I, I get really scared. Let's get
1: really scared right now. Yeah.
0: And so I think a lot of people think emotion is this external thing that controls us Mm. or that happens to us. And there's nothing we can do. You know, like a lot of people say, I'm just an angry person or I'm a depressed person. Mm. You know, they think they are that emotion rather than understanding that, well, you're feeling that emotion because uh whether it's modeling from your parents or a bad relationship you're in or um you know some other experience in your life where your brain's like oh when this happens this is how i feel and you know in the past so i'm going to reinforce this behavior because i'm predicting how i should respond and then we get that feeling that uh isn't necessarily you know like you know, and when we were kids, they'd um, always have those little pictures of people's faces. Yeah, how do you happy feel Happy face, sad face, you know, all this. And the idea was for a long time they pushed and they still do push it. The research has proven it wrong, but this idea that um, these are universal emotions and mm. that everyone feels them the exact same way. But that's not the case. You know, our emotions are learned behaviors that we're taught from when we were very young. Like when we're born, when a baby's crying, they're not crying because they're sad. They're crying because they're physically uncomfortable. Yeah. And, it's a new experience. It's yeah. a new feeling. And they're just like, I don't like this. And when they're smiling or, you know, giggling or whatever, that very young babies, they're not happy. They're just comfortable. And, you know, they kind of respond differently. They'll be, you know, if the, and they when they laugh, it's not necessarily out of happiness. It's like, oh, that's new. That's interesting. You know, that's funny. And they to, then they start to learn, oh, when that's done, I can, that's how I can respond. And as they get older, then we start to teach them, you know, uh, if you've ever been around babies and a baby's having a bad day, so I'm like, ooh, somebody's a grumpy baby, you know? So we're teaching them you're being grumpy. That this is what grumpy is. This is what angry is. This is what happy. Who's a good boy? Who's a happy boy? You know, all these things. And so that's what the new research is showing is that emotions aren't inherently in us. It's not in our DNA. Uh-huh. It's taught and learned over time. And that there's like certain cultures that don't have anger. Uh-huh. You know, because they're just not taught to be angry. It's like I'm angry because my dad was angry, yeah, his or, dad was angry, yeah, and so we you see that behavior and you become that person, and this just as we can learn but that way that we learn to respond that way, we can unlearn and we can change our perception, or we can choose that, oh, well, that trigger that's how I usually respond, but I'm going to choose to not respond emotionally to this anymore, and it's not easy. <laughs> But it's something that once we understand the process, then we can reprogram and rewrite that software in our mind to approach, you know, those emotions in a different way. So it's, it's wild, you know, to get there. But then again, with each emotion is a, uh, you know, when we get stuck in that emotion, because now we've been programmed, we know these emotions, it's become a lot of our programming, but with each, the, the main emotions that we've kind of learned as Western society and kind of, you know, adopted, there's a synergistic expression for each. So for anger, it's -hmm. caused by injustice to release it. we have to practice self-assertion, which is sticking up for ourselves. Because once we stuck up for ourselves, then our subconscious is like, good. I told you, I don't like to be bullied. And you did something about it because we can't control the outcome. No, but yeah. So it's, You know, just with what you're talking about, just remind me of that, how, you know, we we respond in these ways just because that's how we've always done it, whether or not it's reality or not.
1: And, you know, something that I learned recently really helps nutrition. (laughs) (laughs) Tell (laughs) me about it. Yeah, that's something I only recently found about. Uh, I didn't eat a whole lot as a kid and that probably attributed to that. And I was in therapy one time and they said, what did you eat today? And I said oh, nothing. I Had some coffee. She goes, Logan, you you gotta eat. You gotta eat, man. This is helping. And you know, it, it, it turns out, you know, nutrition plays a very large role in you know how your emotions are throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Angry is a real thing. It turns out, yeah. <laughs> to an extent, angry. Yes. Yeah. It, <laughs> and so it, it, that that's a that's a huge one and something that I've only recently um, you know, started being so mindful of and so and like treating above most everything else is, you know, nutrition, making sure that when your body is is okay, then you start to be okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause if you don't you're not nourishing that body and having the nutrients it needs, then yeah, your body's gonna respond in very funny ways. Yeah. And oh
1: man, life life changer that. <laughs> Nutrition and exercise. Turns out those are two massive ones that have only picked up in the last 12 months. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) So it's it's been a world of difference or a world of difference. So talk and, you know, eat and work out and then you'll be fine.
0: (laughs) So do you do like, is there a specific diet you're on or is it just making sure you're eating Eating uh, regularly.
1: Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. Every every couple hours. Make sure if you're hungry, it's too late by that point, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, just making sure you're constantly eating. Always eating. Mm. And then and good food, not crap food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not empty <laughs> calories as mm-hmm. they say. No. Uh but yeah, so that's 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 a big one that has helped me find a balance and you know, seeing other people that pick up their eating and it, you're seeing that difference in them as well. And it just, you, it, it plays way more of a role than I had thought. Yeah. Way more.
0: Hmm. Um, it reminds me of like, there's a new, a lot of new research that's coming out on how, what we eat affects the bacteria in our gut. Mm. And there's certain bacteria in our gut that directly affect our mood. And so that's why, and they've made this link with, like high glycemic carbohydrates and sugar and things like that, when we consume too much of them, it creates an imbalance of the bacteria in our gut and produce too much of this particular bacteria that is linked to depression. That's wild. And so by eating poorly and feeding the wrong bacteria, we actually set up our internal system to feel more depressed. Mm. And (laughs) the only way to correct that is by... Eating changing healthy, your, yeah. changing that diet, reducing those sugars so that, um, you know, that bacteria balance corrects itself. And in a matter of weeks, your mood could drastically change just by what you're eating. So, yeah, it's on so many levels, your energy level, being hangry, the bacteria. So what the yogurt so commercials are all about uh <laughs> like, you know, they Give them should... like good bacteria yeah and then they wiggle they uh, should totally you know <laughs> use that research but uh <laughs> yeah that, that's a funny one i think it's just because you know you're usually in a better mood when you're not constipated
1: yeah ow, <laughs> ow, constantly <laughs> and then you go to the bathroom you feel good and you're like well i'm not really good and then you go off <laughs> that's awesome
0: yeah no it's uh Oh, that's such interesting. What do you do for your fitness?
1: My fitness. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> the fitness was something I I worked. I I was. Re- I didn't eat. I didn't work out. A year ago, October, I weighed maybe one hundred and eighteen pounds, like nothing. And then I met a guy named Gary. Gary Piper. He runs a gym here, mm-hmm. and it was one of those meant to be moments where. Uh, a remote like a remote commercial and radio is where you like go to a location you set up and you do like live commercials yeah and so the guy who had originally was scheduled to be the announcer that day canceled and so i stepped in to do it and i met this guy named gary and changed my life because i was bad place emotionally physically i wasn't eating i was living alone coming out of a bad breakup like it was rough and i was just like oh come in let's start working out let's let's figure it out and he said dude you got to eat you got to work out and then that was last year and so i've been working out three times a week with this guy since then and mood changes if you're having a bad day you just go throw some weight around and you are good to go and eat afterwards and you're you're pretty good so yeah it it I never thought I would be a fitness junkie, but I love it. Oh, <laughs> I love it so much yeah. uh, and now you know i I live with Jamie and he's a fitness junk as well, yeah, so it's it's good to train with him, which is really nice, but yeah, three times a week, and I just go to beat myself up and until there's no gas left and yeah. pick it up the next day.
0: Ah that's awesome, yeah no <laughs> i'm uh I'm getting back into that, too. Good. Yeah. I used to, um, I don't know, mo- I don't know, most. I don't even think most of my patients know, but while I was in school, I was a uh, personal trainer. <gasps> and You were? Yes. And I managed clubs. At one point, I had like 15 personal trainers working what? for me. And so. Uh, I love this side of you, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the so, personal training side. Yeah. So I did that for. Oh, I don't know. Um, four or five years at least. And, um, I think I even did it for a year after, no, a couple of years after I graduated from studying Chinese medicine and i had actually moved out here and I was like, okay, I'm done that. I'm going to focus on my practice. And I moved out here during the, um, boom. Mm. And so that was what, um, 15 some years ago and a one uh just one treatment room to rent in a health clinic back then was a thousand dollars a month and you wouldn't even consider asking that of anyone now you know the way things are and that's 15 years and you know you just you can see see how overly inflated that was Mm -hmm. and so i was like i'm not paying that so I, ha- I hadn't found anything. So I'm like, all right, I'll go, I'll start training, you know, again. And so I uh, actually went to a world health club and trained with them uh, for about a month. And then I found a place and I was going to leave. And uh, so I, I told the fitness manager and I said, you know, I've, this has been fun, you know, it's a nice place and all, but I've I found a place to practice. And so I'm going to leave. And I had, uh, I was the top personal trainer that first month. So it was a loss. They weren't weren't happy. And so they actually came to me and they said, we'll pay all the upfront costs and we'll just take a percentage of your um, treatments and you can set up here in the gym. So I did that initially and I was seeing my patients Mm -hmm. while I was in the club. And then, and then they made me fitness manager. And so I'm training at 4am, you know, for a few hours then I'm seeing patients and managing the club during the day and then watching all the personal trainers at night, coaching and helping them, you know, with sales and stuff. And so I was doing like, I don't know, 15 hour days. It sounds like a burnout waiting waiting to happen. And I'd I'd pop away, you know, for a couple hours, you know, here and there to go see my kids and my wife and kind of, you know, try to date Yeah. But uh, yeah. So after all of that, for like I think it was like two years or so of doing that those kind of hours that I was like, "I'm so fucking tired of the gyms and working out, <laughs> so I didn't do it for years, but uh um over the last like you know this past year hadn't been great, but i'm I'm getting back into it nice but it's good and it, you are so right that when you're working out, you do feel way better. You know, yeah. you, you get a, a boost of whatever chemical it
1: is that yeah. that you need, and it's yeah. it's good. Shout out Gary Piper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> changed exactly. my life. Changed mm-hmm. my yeah. life that man.
0: Well, maybe we'll put some information in, yeah. the, in the description <laughs> for, for sure. Gary for changing your yeah. life. Yeah. Well, I, and I don't yeah. think he knows that, but <laughs> yeah, oh, well, he does now if he listens. Um, so I was thinking about that too. I'm like, gee, 118 pounds. The last time I weighed 118 pounds, I was probably in grade five.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I've always been a little guy, but it, it see, seeing yourself in the mirror and after looking, you know, at the scale at that, and you're like, I. I gotta change something in my life. It was just yeah. it it was it was low, it was rough, it was yeah. needing needing a change. Yeah. And well, I mean, they they say just you know, you know, do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like just change your life. And I was like, man, it's harder
2: than that.
0: <laughs> so and, uh, you but, know, it's uh I think your story, it's fairly common, you okay. know, where because again, Everyone that knows you probably thought Logan's doing awesome. He's always smiling <laughs> yeah. and laughing and, you know. That's right you know. Logan. Logan. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to see that sometimes from people, you know, that they're struggling. You know, did you feel like you could reach out, that you had that support during that time?
1: You know, looking back, I absolutely did. I did. And there's so many people in my life that I I could have but you don't recognize that there. Mm-hmm. You find that emotion that makes you feel sad and then you keep feeding it for some reason because mm-hmm. it feels good to feed that.
0: Yeah. Just
1: over and over and over and over and over until you get to a point where you you know make a want to make a decision and it just feeding it is, is just so easy and you know it's until you reach out and you find out there's all these people that I could have reached out to. And there's all these people that, you know, care and love you. And it's it's amazing to think of that after the fact. And it's so bizarre to, you know, think of how I refuse to accept that. But, you know, yeah. it,
0: it, it just takes reaching out to one person. You're like,
1: oh, I could talk to anybody.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think, too, when you're... You know, you're in that place and you're feeding that emotion. You know, it's like I often talk to patients about, you know, hardware and software, you know, where our, our body is the hardware. Mm-hmm. And when it's imbalanced and it doesn't have what it needs, it doesn't matter what you do to rewrite the software. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times when you're struggling or you talk to someone and they're just like, well, just be positive. Just smile more, you know, just do this. And you know, they're trying to help you rewrite your software. But
1: well, the hardware's but not but there. But the
0: right. hardware's just not there. It's not ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's acupuncture or diet or exercise or counseling or meditation, whatever it is, you know, we have to um get that balance back inside us, give our body what it needs. And then when that hardware is in the place it is, now we can look at rewriting that software. And changing our perceptions and like oh well maybe I don't have to respond that way every time mm. I feel anxiety I can get excited about it or I can just use that energy to just do it and get it yeah. done yeah and and I think this is something that more and more people need to hear oh, so many it it just that
1: it's normal and it's complicated and that you're you know you're still you it's completely different than what you felt or what i felt but that it's yeah you know it, it's common but it's uncommon and what you have is you know uncommon but we can work with it
0: yeah and i, th- I think like you said like everyone is different oh, in what they experience wildly. And, feel and the path they need to take to get better yeah. so when we um you know it's that i wish we looked at mental health the way we look at weight loss We'll find a plan that works for you. Yeah, because everyone is talking about that weight loss and there's tons of books and tons of programs and, you know, all of this. Everyone claiming they have the right path. But see, that's the thing with weight loss, too. It's it's you need to find that path that works for you. Yeah, And that uh, whatever that is that's going to motivate you, that's going to help you change and get you kind of working that way. But again, even with weight loss, a lot of it is um, you've 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 got to do enough to get the hardware working so you can reprogram the, the software, software yeah. so that you can keep working on the hardware, you know, so you can keep getting healthy and losing weight and all that. It's the same with our mental health. You know, you, you kind of get that initial balance and then... You know, you got to keep working on it because it never.
1: And that's a big, 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 big one. Is you know, you you find yourself in you know the rut, and then you get out, and you're like, I'm good now. Yeah, I'm good now. But the the hardware is not. It's not right yet. Yeah, it's not quite right yet. And you'll always you know find your find a unfortunately get back into that, and it's just you know changing something.
0: So when you if you've as you've gone through this process over the years and you feel like, hey, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm good, and then you get down again? Mm-hmm. How does that feel? How do, how do you usually respond? Um,
1: poorly.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> we um, all do. <laughs> yeah. uh, you th- Throw myself into something to get distracted until I start feeling better again, and then it happens again. And then uh, on, a, a big change was finding someone to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting, is whenever I'm chatting with therapists, whoever it was throughout the years, I sit down, and I'm like, I'm doing good today. I'm doing good today. Yeah. But I know next week or last week, it was kind of rough. But, and it, it, I don't know where I was going with that either. Uh, it, I'll you know, find, what was your question again?
0: <laughs> but it's, you know, I am just saying that when, you know, you think you've got it figured out. You're feeling really good. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it something happens. It and it hits again. And again, it's not a lot of those triggers that throw us back. They're not always conscious. Mm. You know, it's, it's hooked up. It's connected subconsciously to a past trauma or, you know, the way we were raised or something that hurt us. And all of a sudden, boom, we're knocked down again. Mm. And, you know, it sounds to me like... You, that's happened a few times, yeah. but you always get back up and keep going. What helps motivate you? What what gets you going through that when that happens when you stumble?
1: I have what I call my pity party for those couple of days. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, depending how deep it goes is how long it takes to get out of it. Uh, but you, you find, and for me, it's music. I, it, there There's, and it sounds so cliché. <laughs> but it's it's you know painting or it's music or it's something to remind myself that i can still do something yeah and when you just create and that's that's always been a big a big one to pull me out of it is creating something and saying like oh you know i i did something you know there's something that i can hold and i did this and it's mine and it is only mine to you know like it's it's this was just me yeah. um or if it's music and having something at the end that i can you know hit render on and, and listen to later and it's something and that starts the shift of coming back out of it right so it's and it kind of reminds me of who i am or you know brings me back to something that uh i enjoy and I'm like yeah, I, I do enjoy this and i can you know, you know one step at a time kind of thing bring myself back so yeah. It, and you, know, you always uh, find cool art afterwards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. That's so intense. That is, you know, that is one of the healthiest things I've heard in a, in a while from someone. Because you have to give yourself that initially that permission to feel this. Oh, yeah. And if you're feeling, you just feel bad. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then, Be safe
1: about it, but feel bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Allowing it to kind of work through you and then be like, okay, party's over. What can I do to get work myself out of this? And so for you, it's painting, creating, yeah. <laughs> and you make music, you know, music too.
1: Yeah, music, creating, um, you know, uh, building something. Um, I it, it's it's resulted in a lot of amazing things. I I was really upset, so I built a longboard one day, yeah. or I I sat down and I created you know a couple of songs, or I sat down and I. I Painting is only a recent one, but I've thoroughly enjoyed that. That's more remarkable. Um, or, you know, doing like a craft or creating something. So it's it, just making something is what I've always brought me out of whatever it yeah, was.
0: Yeah. See, and that's a universal thing. Yeah. You know, you look at uh, a lot of the great artists and so on. It's when they're in those tough places. They use their creativity to help heal them and get them out. Oh, it's amazing how well it works. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's such great advice because, you know, we all are creative in different ways. Um, And, you know, it sounds like you've been able to kind of recognize and understand, okay, uh, this is me. I get in these places sometimes and that's okay. I accept it. I still love myself. And I'm going to allow myself to feel this for a bit. And then I know when it's time to work myself out. And Mm -hmm. I know these practices help me. That's very mature and very wise. And and it takes,
1: it's hard some of those times. Yeah. But I've lucky enough to be able to dig myself out every
0: single time. Yeah. And I see, that's a big part of, you know, for us to get kind of a, a balance on our mental health is we really have to understand ourselves not compare ourselves to others. Still working on that. Yeah. (laughs) And, and be okay with, well, this is how, this is my path and this is what I do for me. And I'm okay with that. Mm. You know, I'm okay that this is where I go at times and this is what I do to heal. And this is where I go. And, uh, it's not like everyone else or it's not, I'm not, you know, always happy or whatever, but nobody is. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) You (laughs) You know, it's, it's so interesting how, you know, we think. Like I just saw something the other day. Um, which actress was it? Um,
1: oh. You got it. I believe in you.
0: <laughs> um, she's Catwoman in the the Batman. Hathaway? No, no, the other Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yeah. So it's Anne Hathaway, and she was just talking about how she's just like always been depressed most of her life. And never loved herself, never accepted herself. And like, there's like this thing going on on the internet about how everyone hates Anne Hathaway.
1: Because she's finally being open.
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like before all of this. Oh. oh. So she would see this. Everyone hates me. Like there's like memes and like this huge energy behind hating Anne Hathaway. And she's like talking about this and realizing, you know, um, I didn't like Anne Hathaway. And because she had such a low self-esteem and didn't love herself, um, she's like, could they pick up on that? Was I working so hard trying to be someone else that I wasn't authentic and people could tell, you know? And so she didn't really worry too much about what what others thought, but she's like, I need to love myself. Mm. I need to focus on me and being okay for me. And, you know, now she doesn't give a shit. The people don't like her, but she recognized that she was not in a good place for herself because she just bought into all that stuff and chose to not love herself and buy into the stuff she felt when she was younger or what people would say or whatever. And they'll find out about me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, the remedy for that is to be vulnerable and open and honest, because then everyone's just like, you know, it's just, um, you know, I've heard all the names, no names can hurt me anymore, you know, or I, you know, I'm okay with my quirks. So you can't use my quirks against me or my weaknesses against me because I've accepted them and I love them. Yeah. And uh, you know, I do think that's a part of the process of like really good mental health. Is not giving a shit what people think. (laughs) Let me
1: know when you figure that out.
0: (laughs) But it's hard, right? Because we always, we either compare ourselves to others. Constantly. And the thing that's really interesting is whether they're Anne Hathaway or someone with a billion dollars, we all feel these same things. Because money and fame don't heal it. They don't make it go away.
1: There's still a person on the couch in their underwear. Yeah. At the end of the day, all, yeah. of this, all, yeah. all of
0: us. Yeah. And they're still struggling and they're still trying to make relationships work. And they're still trying to, you know, figure out who they are and what makes them happy and how to let go of their pain and their suffering. And so I think, you know, again, these discussions, how people realize that we're all in the same place, you know, uh, we just all struggle in different ways.
1: Yeah. And I, I wish that was uh you know, they say like the, how are you and, good and you not so bad, you know, and that the whole, the, the, the dance that everybody does when they first, you know, see someone in the morning mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to make it more commonplace to at least for myself to answer just honestly, yeah. honestly to that. How are you doing? Eh, it's, uh, eh. Today's rough. Yeah. And then, you know what? <laughs> Cause then they're, conscious of it and then if they answer honestly I'm conscious of it and if they're being rough then I'll you know do something out of my way to pick them up and then that makes me feel good
0: as well yeah and it's just just being open man well you know it's (laughs) interesting when someone asks you that question we think there's only two answers good I'm good or I'm bad and you don't want to say bad no because (laughs) you know you don't want to put the other person you don't want to make them uncomfortable (laughs) if you don't want to start something because you just you just want to get out of there or whatever right But it just reminds me of, you know, the concept of uh, emotional gradients. Okay. So you're going to have to expand that. So, you know, like 50 shades of gray. Yeah. (laughs) Or just (laughs) very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Or like 50 shades. Yeah, How there's this, um, there's a gradient of grays, right? From darker gray to a lighter gray and all that. Now, emotional gradients is this idea that there are, It's not just good or bad, you know, I'm feeling good or I'm feeling bad. It's there are, you know, so many different emotions at different levels in between that. And so if you just say, oh, I'm happy or I'm depressed, like there's a lot of feelings in between there. Let's get the let's get the wheel. Let's see Let's narrow that down a little bit. And if you can be uh, like I always say to younger kids when I see them in the clinic is. I want you to uh every day write down what you're feeling but I want it to be I want you to describe that emotion as best you can and come up with a word for it cuz mm-hmm. it'd be better if you had six emotions between happy and sad or happy and depressed I
1: like the makeup word because then it's their emotion
0: yeah and then you can say I'm feeling you know uh, bumpy today or I'm feeling a little rough or I'm feeling a little uh, unstable or whatever, right? Yeah. Have some word to kind of describe that I'm not completely depressed and I'm not overjoyed. And we think it's one or the other. And, yeah. you know, there's the like and the unlike button. And so we think that's how life is. Yeah, you know? like and, it or you don't. And it's interesting how now they're introducing... Oh, all different emotions—care
1: emotions. and you know, like yeah. and upset. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> it's changing a little bit, but where you, if you could say to someone and they're saying, "How are you feeling?" and I'm like, "Ah, I'm feeling this today," and they're like, "Whoa, what's that?" Oh, well, that's the word I use to describe when I'm feeling this way. Yeah, and then oh, okay, so tell me about that. What is it? Is that a good emotion or is that negative? Ah, it's kind of halfway through, you know. And and I think if we can help people understand that, you know, it's okay if 80% of the time you're just meh. Because that that is an emotion yeah. to just
1: be normal. I'm yeah. feeling
0: just coasty. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling, you know, kind of optimistic, kind of okay, but I'm not I'm not happy. I'm not, happy. I'm not no. happy, but I'm I'm content with how things are today or whatever. And the more we can have more descriptors like that, um, our conversations will be a little more honest and open. But then, we're not shifting between, "Oh, today was a good day. Today was a bad day." And you're not lying to yourself.
1: And that's and that's yes. a, a massive one is, especially when you know you're in, in the rut as you they call it or as I call it as well. And how are you? Say, I'm good. Yeah. And, you know, it's that painted smile and then you go on your day and it's interesting, uh, a challenge that I have always found. And I'm curious on if other like media people feel that as well is when you're not feeling good and then you go on air and you have to be good. You have to be on. And it's like lying to yourself, but not lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. And then that's where, you know, Radio Logan comes in. But it's it. It, the more emotions that you can have for that, then you're not lying to yourself anymore. Yeah. You're not, you know, putting a painting on
0: the clown makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I try to be honest with patients because they always ask me. And I not everyone, because I'll always ask them first. And uh, every once in a while, patients will ask me, does anyone ask you how you're feeling? <laughs> how are you feeling today? And I try to be as honest. I'm like, I'm a little tired, you know, just got lots going on today, but, uh, you know. It's, it's getting better or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. that one thing I do too is when patient when I ask patients how they're doing, I don't listen to their answer. I listen to their tone because their tone Cause tells me the answer is. way more on how they're feeling. They'll be like, ah, I'm good. Nice. And then I'll say, what does that mean? You know, like, yeah. and then they have to tell me the truth, you know, because <laughs> I called them on it. I can tell that, no, no, you're not okay. Mm. What's going on? Tell me about it. And then let's get into it and see what we can do. And again, if we can, you know, especially, you know, maybe our strangers or acquaintances, it's a little harder. But with those we care about, if they give us those pat answers and there's something behind the voice or there's a little, you know. You can something always tell. It. Yeah. It's, you know, a, a true friend, someone who really cares would call them on it. And say, what does that mean? What are you really feeling? You know, I am actually feeling pretty bumpy today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good, but a little optimistic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always uh, <laughs> my boys on their mom's side, the grandparents, it's grumpy and bumpy. Grumpy and
1: bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> I like feeling grumpy and bumpy today. Don't talk to grandma. Yeah. <laughs> She's feeling grumpy and bumpy. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I I enjoy this kind yeah. of thing. It it's it's therapeutic. You're a lot
0: cheaper than my regular one. <laughs> there you go. I'll I'll send you the invoice <laughs> later. Uh is there any any, you know, um words of Logan Will's wisdom or, you know, you know, things you're like I wanted to be able to say this or you know, this is what I want to share. Is there anything like that? You know, it's uh, Because you've given us a lot already. (laughs) Um, You know, and there was actually,
1: I would like to touch on something and it's a complete changing gear. Mm -hmm. Um, But I only say because it happened to me two weeks ago when it was nice. When did it start getting snow? Anyways, it Mm -hmm. was, I was walking from my car and I, it it was an emotion I had never experienced before. And it kind of ties into another one of the topics that you've had throughout. Uh, your podcast here, and I have a, um, uh, a, a, like a, the pride flag, mm-hmm. on my car. Yeah, I've always been a part of uh GSAs. And I've always been ally, and I've. As soon as I got the sticker, slapped it on there, and a the kid said, "I see the rainbow flag. Are you gay?" Uh, Would it matter if I was? He was "Yeah, yeah, it's wrong." And the kid was maybe twelve, and I was. Flabbergasted emotion I'd never experienced before. Wow. Because I had just never seen that in person and I I did not know what to say. And so I just walked away. I I didn't know what to do with that. And I, it, it just, it was an emotion I had never experienced and never felt. And I know one of the things that you have touched on in your podcast is, um, providing, you know, safe education for people involving, you know, sexuality and gender and like that, like whole wildly complicated world that nobody seems to understand yet. Yeah, and oh, I, it just it hit funny, and I, I just wanted to say it here in yeah. person that it just I I I feel awful for the kid and the family. Yeah, that that had come from. Yeah,
0: you know, it's so interesting. You know, and, and I'd never experienced
1: that because I I've yeah. never. I had the, you know, I didn't grow up gay. I didn't, I never had to fight that fight. Yeah. And yeah. I just, the first time ever, and I, I, I didn't know what to do
0: with that emotion. Huh. it's You know, because, you know, someone is born gay and they know they're gay and that's who they are. That's them. But being taught to judge or hate, you're not born that way. No. You learn that and you're taught to hate or judge people based off their sexuality or who they are. You know, so this young guy, you know, who doesn't understand what he's doing is hate. But he's doing it because he was taught that and and you know, cuz at 12, you don't have this internal thing that tells you this is no. wrong and judge. When you're a child, you accept anyone and you love them no matter what. And you have no problem that so and so has two moms or two dads or whatever. But as we grow, just like we learn our emotions, yeah, we learn how to hate. And it's this, you know, to think that, well, I believe this so I can, you know, harm and hurt and judge the whole world based off my beliefs. And that's okay. No, that's fucking not okay. That is hate. And that's you saying that my beliefs Are more important than you as an individual. And it blew my
1: mind that he approached me with it just because I had the flag on my car. It just, it blew my mind. So it. But I like
0: how you said it though. You're not like, no, you know, but you were like, what does it matter for him?
1: Because I was curious where I, at first, I thought maybe he, because I have the flag there because I want there and I have a, a pin cause I want people to know it's okay to come to me. Yeah. And yeah. I thought maybe that was the situation left turn. Not at all. And yeah. I, I wish I had said something to the kid or like, not honestly, at the moment, I just wanted to just <laughs> tackle him No, yeah. uh, give him a big hug. Um, but it just, it was, it was an emotion I had never, and it, it was interesting. And as soon as that had happened, this was after we had arranged, and I was like, I want, I want to mention that. Yeah. Mention that to
0: Jared. The balls on that little oh. kid to call out someone in this day and age. In the middle of the street. Yeah. What is he looking for? What, who is he trying to impress? Why does he want to hurt someone? And he just scooted you know? away. Yeah. Very interesting. You know, I think, you know, again, we've learned this, uh time time again that those that are most vocal against uh LGBTQ people are usually part of the community and are denying themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they hate others because they hate themselves. And and it's a battle
1: that they're feeling and a choice that they're feeling. Yeah,
0: yeah. And to, you know, like again, whether or not this child is suppressing his sexuality or whatever, the fact is that he um, you know, we only hate others when we can't love ourselves. And so he's been taught to to hate and whatever's going on in his world, he doesn't feel good enough about himself. Because if you truly love yourself, you don't want to hurt anyone else. Mm-hmm. And in the what is it? You and accept word, and love everyone. In the words of RuPaul, like how the hell are you gonna learn from somebody else if you can't love
1: yourself? Yeah, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. So yeah. And 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 again, you know, in a situation like that, there's not the right answer no, or the I best answer. I haven't stopped thinking about it, it is wow, yeah. Wow. Oh, that poor kid. Because to me, that's, you know, like, again, you may have heard in previous podcasts, like, I was that judgmental little fucker when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can remember as a kid torturing a kid at school because everyone else was doing it too. And again, I was taught that you know, you're messed up yeah. if if that's who you are and that you need help. And so you justify what you say and what you do because you think, uh, you know, there's something wrong with them and, you know, maybe shaming them will help them. I don't know, because that's what religion uses all the time is yeah. shame to make people do what they want. But um, yeah, and as I kept as I got older and a little more self-aware, you know, then I'm like. I get bullied, you know, in my church and family and, you know, I'm not. Just going to stand for it. Yeah. And and you kind of learn that, wow, why, you know, like how much suffering they must go through. And so I kind of warmed up more to it over time, but, you know, it wasn't until, you know, I chose to leave the Mormon church that I finally like, wow, you know, that's messed up to think that way and to feel that about people. And then once it's interesting, because when I finally kind of changed my heart to it and, you know, became was in a position where I kind of accepted and I said, I can, you know, I see nothing wrong with what they're doing now. This is who they are. You know, one of my sons came out to me, my best friend came out to me, you know, like it's, I started, you know, is like, I wonder, you know, you know, in the process of this, was that something that had to happen?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it probably wasn't, they probably would have came out eventually, but I'm grateful that I was able to let go of that judgment and those feelings prior to be able to love. So through. I could be there for them and yeah. help them through that. Otherwise I can't imagine, you know, like as, as a child to tell your parents and then for them to say nothing or to judge you, you know, and, and kick you out or whatever, mm-hmm. You know, it's the, uh, you know, the way we treat, um, you know, uh, those people in the community, it's terrible because, you know, majority of the homeless kids are gay, lesbian, and transgender, you know? And so they just can't find a community. Yeah. Cause their family won't accept them and they don't know where to go or they're threatened by their safety. Like I remember I was on a conference call, like a zoom thing with, uh, families in the community of, and, uh, uh, all the parents in it. I was the only one who had a gay kid. All the rest were transgendered kids. Mm-hmm. So this is like, you know, quite a few of the tr- uh, kids in the community's parents were on this meeting and one in particular, you know, chatting with her and she had to during the pandemic. And again, this is another issue, you know, with mental health that we, I want to talk to someone about is, um, her husband uh was taking all the stress out during the lockdown on her physically, and so she was getting beat up by her husband and so they invent, ended up leaving and luckily there's things resources, you know, resources. The house, this is we don't we don't have place. enough of them, but there's some out there, and so she was able to get some help and to get out of the house and so she took her um son with her and you know, once they were away from that, and with school starting up in the fall, you know, he's like, "Mom, I'm, I'm a girl, and I want to be a girl now, and I want everyone at school to know when I start." And mom was all for it, you know, ready to support her through it. Um, but the fear, if she, but was... the fear of her husband finding out, because he's from, like, I think he's from like Nigeria, and. You know, of course, and there's they're... a
1: huge cultural difference. There.
0: Oh, and, you know, like you can you either go to prison or you can be beaten to death in the streets and no one's going to do anything if you're gay there. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily Nigeria, but, you know, I'm trying to remember where it was. But it was, um, you know, an African country where, you know, because of his beliefs and his like very violent behavior. It could have she been She was awful. terrified that if the, you know, the the school can't tell him that his name's changed, you know, that she's got a new name and that, you know, like she's terrified for a child's life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is stuff that is just not acceptable. (laughs) And again, we all need to just those small little instances like that when we stand up and say, so what? What if I am, you know, um, you don't have to get in a fight with that kid, (laughs) to you know, do the right thing but mm. just by saying that by you know saying so what if i am there's nothing wrong with that Let's you know make, hopefully He'll maybe think about that yeah hopefully
1: yeah. he does yeah. and i will say like it on the on the topic of um transgender it in high school i had a close friend who went from female to male and nothing physically ever happened but there was just a constant there was always a judgment there. Uh-huh. And I, I, just, I pray that it, and just hope that that will eventually
0: just go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's James. It's just James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, you know, again, the wise words of my, you know, he was like a uh, 10 or 11 years old, my son, when he came out to me and we are you know, talking about it one weekend and, uh, he'd been out for a while. Uh, he actually told me he was, um, uh, I think, is it pansexual? No, there's, yeah, there's you a, had this conversation yes, on Jamie's. Yeah. The, the term where love I anybody. love whoever and polyamorous, he, he, no, um, pansexual. I think it is. Yeah. Pan, I think it's pansexual. <laughs> and you know, I just love who I love. And I'm like, that's really cool. That's beautiful. I like it. And he goes, and you know what, Dan, In 20 years, no one's going to care about gender anymore. I don't think so. I agree with that. I agree. We're going to let go of that concept and it'll just be, you love who you love. And, uh, if you're concerned about it, you're going to ask before <laughs> you take him into your room. But it's, you know, and I, I really do hope we get there. I Could it be within 20 years? It totally could with how fast things are changing in this uh, world.
1: I'm, I'm going to say a large portion of the people who I graduated are already there. Yeah. I, I'm going to say a large portion of people are already there. It yeah. doesn't matter what's your pronoun. Like, it, yeah. who it doesn't matter who you love. Like, how can I, you know, help you feel comfortable in that. It, it, a lot of people are already there. There is a very still large group of people that don't see that. Yeah. But it, it, it hope, hope, hope is on the horizon. It's, yeah. There it's go. it's feeling it, better.
0: Yeah. And, you know, accepting these people and loving them for who they are, doesn't belittle your faith or what you believe. You know, if you're really a, a spiritual believing person, you can accept people for who they are Mm -hmm. and understand that their life and their choices don't impinge upon your beliefs and your practice of your own faith. You know, I don't think they, and not everyone understands it yet, but that's (laughs) the reality. And hopefully we'll get there. Great. Well, I've kept you long enough on your birthday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have, I had nothing planned. I had brunch with my sister, which was spectacular. I went into work for a bit, and they gave me a cake, which was wonderful. I saw the video. Then I got to sit down with you, and I was thinking about it because last time I was with you on my birthday, you gave me a flask with a very strange liquor in it, and I couldn't remember what it is, Ah. and I ended up drinking it on stage. (laughs) Um, So that's why the tenth just works perfectly for this, perfectly. But uh, before you hit stop, you would ask before I changed gears into um um like. Uh, it just changed gears. You had asked if there was any like wisdom or yes. hope or anything that I could mm-hmm. say. And it, like it just talk, talk to people. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm decent at getting myself out. And I'm sure, you know, people are they can find that way to get themselves out of tough situations. But, you know, there's there's always or can be points where it's way more difficult or at one point, at least in my life, it seemed impossible to get out of that. And it's just talk to just anybody, anybody. It can be a person on the street. In my case, it was my mom. So it it just, just talk, just talk. It's okay to not be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing with just, you know, who we are as human beings and how we've evolved, we have, we never excel on our own. No, you know, we need connection. You know, we've always been in tribes. We've always had people supporting us and being there. And, you know, when we're at our lowest, we do need to reach out. You know, there's going to be someone there.
1: And it's hard. It is hard, but there's more people than you think. Yeah. And five months down, you'll be, you know, kicking yourself, laughing at yourself, saying you thought there was nobody. Yeah. There's always someone. Oh, there's this guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is an awesome platform. Thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you, you for letting me be on this. Yeah. Uh, rambling, yeah. muttered catawampus, as I call it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love that. But, well, I'm sure there's going to be, a, you know, quite a few people that are going to listen to this one. And, you know, you gave us some awesome tools and, and stuff to work with. And from your experience, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye.
2: All right. I really enjoyed my time with Logan Koons. He's a very um I would describe him as you know just the images that come to me are like light and you know a little carefree and positive, and I know that's not who he has always been by what he shared with us, but you can hear from his story that he's worked very hard to you know allow that part of him who is that positive um carefree you know light person and uh you know embrace more of that and let go of more of his challenges and insecurities and anxieties and you know I I did, again I think it's really interesting that someone who has been in you know theater and radio um for most of his life now um and still have that anxiety and insecurities so it just reminds me of how we have this image of people on the surface and we decide this is who they are and you know these are their strengths and um, or we see either their strengths or we see their weaknesses whatever we what worldview we use and what is being presented to us and we make an image of who that person is And I can see that over time, um, Logan has worked very hard to allow that kind of um, core self of who he is be revealed and live that life. And it's hard work. We all have our struggles internally and the struggles we have with those around us trying to wear a mask to fit into their expectations and what who they want us to be. Um and from that comes this struggle and that struggle with that internal, you know, um dialogue and the external dialogue and what who the core of who we are. And it's hard to ignore those two things and embrace who we are. It takes practice, it takes hard work. You have to work at kind of melding everything together, you know, our psyche, our physical our actions to reinforce and build upon that reality and image and core of who we are. It takes practice to let go of those things that are trying to tear that down or rewrite that dialogue and that understanding of who we are. This is an ever changing thing. Um, and I'm so proud of Logan for the work and effort that he's putting into finding his path and his true self and embracing it. And his laughter and his smile and his energy is infectious. And I love him for it. He's a fantastic human being. And I'm grateful for what he gives to this world. And the example he has set and shown us at such a young age to overcome so much uh, trial and kind of uh, internal strife to reach the state of peace he's at. And I know from my own experience, and I'm sure he would uh, share that that peace may be momentarily a lot of the time, and then we have to keep working at it to get back into that place. I'm sure everyone listening knows bit of what I'm talking about that are, you know, that sense of peace and groundedness and, you know, surety that comes from knowing yourself and being yourself. It brings you tremendous peace. And when you listen to those, that negative internal dialogue or the external worldview and what either others are trying to tell us to be, or, what media or religion or politics or the stresses of this world force upon us, um, it continually works at trying to erode that core self that we have. And so it's a constant practice to build up that armor and protection and skill to maintain and anchor yourself in your true self. And I see just, you know, from that conversation with Logan, that he is in that battle and he's doing really well. And I praise him for that. And I'm grateful for him sharing this experience with us because it is not easy and we are all working on it. And I hope, again, the purpose of this podcast is to help us all understand that we're not alone and that everyone has a battle that's going on. and. It's not so much a battle where we have to, you know, fight or vanquish. It's a battle of thoughts. It is a battle of um, what we put as priority in our mind and in our actions and our thoughts. And as we continually build upon that with positive reinforcing and strengthening, you know, thoughts and actions and beliefs, we become a more balanced, centered, and stronger individual. And when we listen too much to what others or that external stuff tries to tell us who we are, that's when we struggle and start to lose our footing in our true selves. So thank you, Logan, for sharing this with us and for reminding me of uh, you know being strong and carrying out the practices that keep us balanced in our true self and where our state of mind should be. And, um, I appreciate you, sir. So thank you. Uh, again, uh, thank you for listening this week to this podcast and, um, and we're getting some pretty amazing individuals here as we share our own stories and experiences, with our mental health. Uh, if you want to learn more about, uh, myself my clinic you can go to healingelements.ca the links are below If you want to learn more about my course the five elements letting go and how understanding your emotions gets you peace and power over your thoughts and your actions in this world then you can check the link below and if you uh you know have concerns or questions about these uh topics and you know, send us a message uh, you know contact us on facebook instagram all the links are below And, uh, you know, we do our best to kind of share these stories and, you know, someone who uh, we should interview on the podcast, please, please share them with me or work on our list. (laughs) Again, thank you, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful week and that uh, you carry out those practices that can help you feel centered, strong and at peace. Thank you so much.